Hi, I'm Ed Jakes, Marketing Executive at Amber and BGA, and you are listening to the Ambition Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Tim Hassett, CEO of the Unlimited Group. Can you tell me more about yourself and your career, please? Sure. Well, uh, I grew up, I guess I would say, on the client side uh, with a lot of FMCG companies that you would be aware of, starting from Procter & Gamble's, where I spent 15 years, to Kellogg's, to Campbell's, another 10 years there, to Beam Suntory, uh, before I jumped over to agency side and came over here in the UK. So I like to joke that I've sold everything from, uh, you know, Pringles, uh, you know, crisp to, uh, you know, uh, hard spirits. So, uh, and, uh, you know, essentially along that journey, uh, you know, I tried to sort of procure as many experiences as I could, uh, just assuming that, you know, growth and expansion of duties would come uh, and just felt that I would be better prepared for the future if I collected a bunch of different experiences, which is what I've done. So, I've operated in just about every part of the world and just about every part of uh, every business model that you could possibly sort of want to compete in. So I've been very fortunate to have a lot of great experiences. Amazing. You are the CEO of the Unlimited Group. Can you tell me more about what the company does? Sure. I love to talk about Unlimited. So we are a international digital marketing agency and we've got an array of capabilities, but Uh, We consider ourselves to be an insight-based, tech-enabled conversion agency. And so uh, what that means is, uh, you know, as marketeers, we don't consider selling uh, a dirty word. Uh, We are particularly good at selling products and services from our clients. And what really sets us apart is the way that we do that. We fundamentally believe that, you know, all great marketing begins with great insights. And we happen to be blessed with some brilliant insight people. And we've created sort of our USB, if you will, which is sort of the human understanding lab, which essentially allows us to uh, sell products and services by just uh, understanding the consumer and human behavior more than others. And it allows us to be sharper, both in terms of our targeting, as well as the marketing and the marketing activation that we do. Your organization is unique due to its human understanding lab. How does this lab deliver insights for your organization? And what do you then use these insights for? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, the human understanding lab has just been really uh, a brilliant differentiator for us. And really uh, from the marketing spectrum, uh, we apply it uh, across um, really every stage from the identification of our target. So, I mean, we've got scientists who actually just simply help us understand segmentation better than anybody else. There'll be uh, times when consumers uh, on the surface look the same, but we dig deeper to make sure that we appreciate the nuances of each individual that make them tick so that we can communicate to them more effectively. Second, we apply our human understanding lab at the creative process. So it helps us inform the type of creative, you know, Uh, consumers and uh, humans just sort of, uh, you know, are looking for engaging content. And so once we understand uh, at a different level of depth who that target is, it allows us to create more effective communication. We'll use neuroscience as an example to help us evaluate the creative that we've uh, prepared for our clients and understand, is it resonating? Is it connected as well as it was intended to do? And then finally, in, you know, deployment of our market 
marketing uh, content and assets, you know, through social media, you name it, uh, we can sort of dynamically assess how people are engaging with that content. And um, uh, if it's not being engaged uh, the way that we would have expected to, we can pretty much dynamically adjust and uh, do so, so that it accomplishes our mission ultimately, which again, is ultimately converting um, humans to purchase uh, and then taking customers and making them loyalists over time. What was the genesis of the Human Understanding Lab and how did you go about creating it? Uh, that's a great question. Thank you for that, Ed. The, um, it's actually born out of uh, you know our strategic planning process. So a few years back, we did a pretty deep dive uh, really an objective assessment around our internal capabilities as well as sort of externally what were our competitors doing in the marketplace and uh you know we were uh we knew we were blessed with this um array of riches uh from an insight perspective that candidly was probably untapped and then when we looked at how the rest of our competitors we're trying to get at um, human understanding, if you will. They're doing it mostly from a data and a tech standpoint, as opposed to really a scientific research insight perspective. And so, uh, you know, the the short answer is we had this untapped internal amazing capacity and capability that we thought was under leverage. And then when we looked in the marketplace, we didn't see anybody being able to do that. And if you tie that in with our philosophy that brilliant marketing and brilliant activation starts from a place of brilliant insights, we would have been remiss not to do that. So uh, interestingly, uh, it was really born out of just our strategic planning process. And, um, you know, it has proven to be an amazing differentiator for us. And uh, it's been our own journey. We weren't perfect day one, uh, three plus years into it. Uh, we've gotten extraordinarily good at weaving human understanding into everything that we've done. And we'll be even more effective, you know, over the course of the next couple of few years together, as we continue to build momentum. Thank you for that answer. It's very interesting. In an article for Forbes, you talked about how advertising had previously been the domain of the creatives, but you believe it is time for the rise of the geeks. Can you explain more about this? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to do that. Also in that article, though, I made it very clear that uh, creative, good creative and good content is imperative. Um, However, you know, we live in a very, uh, I'll call it complicated marketing ecosystem. So if you think about media channels and how fragmented they are, I mean, it wasn't too long ago where Netflix was the only sort of streaming service out there. And now everybody's got some streaming service of some kind. And then how and when, you know, consumers engage with content uh, varies radically too as a function of devices, our mobile phones as an example. Uh, so when you add in all that complexity, it is paramount that you understand, uh, one, uh, everything that you possibly can about consumers and, and really not only sort of what they verbalize, but sort of how they behave. And then secondarily, you can identify where is the optimal place to sort of connect and communicate with them. So there used to be a day where you could create a brilliant piece of advertising, uh, if you will, TV commercial, blast that across the handful of channels, and, um, and you could have a successful campaign. However, because of the complicated environment and ecosystem that we're in and the fragmented media channels, et cetera, 
that's what I meant where creative is hygiene. Yes, you have to have great creative and content, but understanding who your audience is, how they want to engage and where they want to engage and all of that complexity associated with deploying against that is what I mean. If you don't have awful smart people like we do and brilliant scientists that really help us interpret uh, and identify those optimization opportunities, you know, a brilliant piece of creative isn't going to get the job done. How would you like to see the advertising industry transformed? Hmm. Such a great question. Um, well, I think on the highest order, uh, maybe two things. I think uh, I think we can continue to be more inclusive. And I mean that really on two different dimensions. Um, I think the work that we do on behalf of our clients, uh, you know, can do a better job of representing you know, the masses uh, more effectively and more consistently. I think there's been amazing amount of progress uh, in that, but I think we still have opportunities to do. And then uh, this industry, the marketing industry, especially, uh, and I came from other industries, I'm really, uh, I was really surprised and sort of taken back around uh, the relatively low amount of diversity uh, that exists in the industry. And it really starts off at really the fundamental sort of level and barriers to um, to entry that candidly shouldn't be there. And uh, again, I know it's a, been a passion area of mine since I've joined Unlimited and I have a lot of uh, uh, a lot of peers in the industry who feel the same way. We've made progress, but we have more to do. Has there been any major learning curves from doing business in the USA compared to coming over here and doing business in the UK? Uh, no, really. I think the short answer is no. I mean, it hasn't been particularly. So, I mean, if you think about sort of the marketing, um, agency industry, I mean, the, the work is the same. You identify a target, uh, you create compelling content to engage the target, right. And, uh, and then you identify where and when is the best place to, uh, to target them. So, I mean, fundamentally, it doesn't matter what geography you're in, sort of, you know, those sort of three cornerstones are sort of the core of how you do marketing and advertising. So a lot of consistencies on that. Uh, I think stylistically, the one thing, uh, you know, in the UK versus the US, Americans are notorious, and I'm probably falling that camp for being very direct uh with their language and uh in the uk it's a little bit more uh indirect so sort of peeling back the onion the next layer or two and understanding the subtleties of what people are trying to say or trying to communicate here was probably the biggest adjustment factor what have you learned from neuroscience that has changed your understanding of advertising yeah, it's a great question. I, I would actually even broaden that uh, at more so than neuroscience. It's really all the scientists. So we've got a number of different types of scientists from behavioral scientists to neuroscientists to data scientists. So you name it, uh, we've got them. I think what they have collectively in aggregate uh, taught us or reinforced to us is that um, most decisions that consumers make are actually made subconsciously. So when you do a focus group with the consumer, uh, they'll contend that uh, their intention is to do X or their intention is to do Y. And um, and yet then all of a sudden we try to understand why their behavior is so demonstratively different than what they claimed uh, they would or have done in the past. And you learn that so many decisions are deeply woven in our subconscious. So I think our scientists have helped us, one, uh, 
you know, appreciate that uh, and remind us that you just can't get to the surface if you really try to really want to understand human behavior. And uh, two, they've developed amazing amount of sort of techniques and processes and models that help us get that next level of sort of granular understanding uh, around humans, which then allows us to, you know, create more effective marketing um, content and activation. What are your predictions for the future of business in the next five years? Uh, I love these uh, questions. If I could predict that, uh, you know, I would probably put some money on it. I'll say it maybe another way if I can, which is there's a few places that are really fascinating that we're starting to spend some energy around that uh, I think we're going to see more of in the future and, and going to have just massive impact. Uh, a couple I'm sure you're familiar with, but uh, let's start with sort of the metaverse. You know, this blurring of the physical world and the virtual world is happening in front of our eyes. I mean, there's some people that believe that it's been happening for, you know, a decade plus and, and now folks are just it's starting to resonate, but uh, it's really fascinating. It's amazing from a marketing standpoint to already see how many brands have jumped into the metaverse as a mechanism to uh, either build their brands and their brand equity or commerce uh, in the metaverse. And uh, so we're starting to sort of dig our teeth into that a little bit. And, uh, you know, the the opportunities to build brands or do commerce in that environment are just limitless. So that's a really interesting place. And that will dramatically change sort of the capability requirements that uh, our industry is required to bring to our clients. Second, cryptocurrency, uh, you know, is a is a burgeoning industry in and of itself, and it's connected to the metaverse in a way, but it's also separate as an industry. We've got a couple of clients in that space. Trust me when I say uh, their ambitions are extraordinary. And so even if they accomplish a fraction of those uh, ambitions, uh, it will have an impact in terms of how and when and where people commerce, uh, which is fascinating. Uh, and then I think uh, I think this, uh, you know, working from home, remote working model, hybrid operating models, we're just sort of scratching the surface. So I think we've demonstrated broadly across, you know, a bunch of industries and sectors that, you know, people can work pretty effectively from home, uh, or at least as a, a blended uh, part of how they operated away from the office. But I think we're starting to sort of challenge the boundaries of that. And I think uh, where people live, how they do work, when they do work, uh, the flexibility is just going to be boundless. And, and candidly, if, if COVID help people sort of, uh, you know, sort of retrench locally a little bit. I think, uh, you know, the world is going to be our oyster in terms of sort of, you know, talent being able to be mobile across the geography. And I think it'll make the world, uh, you know, a much bigger place again. Those would be my few spaces that I would say that there's going to be demonstrative change. That was a very interesting answer. Thank you for your insight on that. You prefer to surround yourself with neuroscientists, research practitioners, trend analysis, creatives, data scientists, and behavioral scientists, rather than traditional suits. What is your definition of a suit? A suit today is probably people who haven't evolved 
and I don't think there's many of them left. Uh, and uh, if there are, they're probably not too successful and evolve on a, on a bunch of different dimensions. You know, this uh, sort of hybrid operating uh, environment that we're in, uh, you know, where people can actually, you know, be pretty effective working from home. Uh, come together when they need and want to with colleagues or clients, uh, but also at the same time have better work-life balance. I mean, it's all really possible. So, you know, the days of somebody expecting people to have traditional office hours, traditional commutes, what have you, right? I think those days, you know, are long gone. I mean, I've got some good senior friends on Wall Street, as an example, and the days of them, you know, spending inordinate amounts of hour commuting back and forth into New York City or, you know, on a trading floor are gone and they sit there with two or three screens at their uh, home and, you know, they're equal to or more effective than they've ever been. So, I mean, if Wall Street can change, I think anyone can. So I think a suit maybe simply put is just somebody who hasn't sort of evolved to sort of the new ways of working, which I think are vastly superior than what they were just sort of a few years ago. And uh, I don't think there's many of them left. This is my final question for you, Tim. How are you dealing with the emerging talent crisis? Yeah, well, uh, it's a fantastic question. And, um, and um, yeah, there's a crisis on a number of different dimensions, uh, capability and capacity really at the highest levels. I think we've turned it into a positive as much as we possibly can. And I think it will actually prove to be probably the best thing that could have happened to us because it's made us more expansive in terms of how we think about talent. And uh, so we have, uh, one, really expanded considerably what we call sort of our university academy program, whereby we will hire recruits straight out of uni or straight out of grad schools, and then we will train them up in a specialism of their choice, and then we'll grow with them over time. That used to be a small percentage of of ways that people came into uh, Unlimited, and uh, it's growing to be a much bigger percentage. Second, uh, we've affiliated ourselves with some brilliant programs and, you know, candidly, we'd be here all day if I was to list all of all of them and they're so amazing. Um, but um, there are organizations out there that uh, are grounded in being able to help one of the challenges that we previously spoke about, which was how do you attract diverse talent into this industry? And so these are specialists who do that really well. So we've affiliated ourselves with those organizations and they've helped us tremendously acquire more diverse talent. And the more diverse you are, the better representative you are going to be of your client and customer base. And so that's made us better. And, uh, you know, and then finally, we've got uh, another couple of partners who, uh, you know, have access to different capabilities and specialisms around the globe to my earlier comments. So, uh, I think, uh, you know, when this, you know, crisis or talent crisis hit immediately, it caught a lot of us in the industry uh, off guard a bit in terms of its magnitude. But I think the way we responded, particularly proud of the way we've responded at Unlimited, ultimately is going to allow us to source better talent, grow talent, uh, you know, organically and uh, create a more diverse workforce. So uh, I I would I, and I can say I don't think it would have happened as quickly had we not faced the crisis. So uh, again, it wasn't fun on the front end, but it's made us think differently and better. And I think, uh, you know, longer term, it's going to be probably the best thing that could have happened to us. 
Thank you so much to Tim for being our guest on the podcast today. For more thought leadership, head to www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition and be sure to tune into the next episode of the Ambition Podcast.